Welcome to another episode of Making an Impression, The Sketches. Two brilliant impressionists for you today, the legend that is Alistair McGowan and the extraordinary young genius Josh Berry. We discuss whether impressionists should tell the audience who they're about to do. Uh, we look again at how some impressions flow naturally into others and how we add little ticks and nuances to scripted dialogue to make impressions really fly. Uh, three more great sketches involving football managers and tennis players uh, with James Acaster and Stuart Lee and many others thrown in. Uh, and Alistair shows his virtuosity by voicing several characters consecutively in the last sketch. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to Making an Impression, The Sketches. Uh, we've got two fantastic impressionists on today. First of all, the, the legend that is Alistair McGowan. Alistair, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Thank you, Simon. Fine, thank you. Yeah, yeah, nice to be back. Well, it's, it's great to have you back. We've got, uh, we've got a bunch of sketches. I think we're going to see you at your, at your best today. And me just bringing up the rear as ever, but I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a crack at some some difficult ones today. So um, you know, just be on your metal. And also joining us today, an absolutely brilliant young impressionist, and and in fact, uh, w one of the reasons why I'm delighted I'm no longer out there <laughs> competing in the impressionist game. It's Josh Berry. Josh, how how are you doing? Thank you for reading the in introduction I sent over. That's really that's really <laughs> kind. Uh, <laughs> we we spoke, didn't we? Uh, in fact, we we all uh, spoke separately on the earlier interview shows. I think that was we were kind of in the summary part of uh, lockdown. Have you been busy in the interim? But yeah, you know, sort of as busy as as, as one can be. Uh, it's it's such an odd time, isn't it? It's such an odd yeah. time to pick new impressions as well. Uh, although, actually, I think interestingly, in in the first lockdown. I think for the first time in a long time have become quite cohesive, right? Now it's sort of gone back arguably to being a bit more fractious, but when you've mm -hmm. got Dominic Cummings doing a press conference and that's so widely watched, I suppose that is quite a good forum for it. But yeah, it, it feels like we're starting to retreat back into the, the pre pandemic time, which maybe is a little bit worse for impressionists. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? The pre pandemic times? How do you mean? Pre pandemic media is quite, you know, fractured. There are fewer things that people sort of come together to to watch collectively, which I, I guess makes it a bit harder for what we do in terms of finding that audience. Yeah, I mean, personally, I've spent a lot of time during this period looking looking back and catching up on films that I should have seen. And I've, I've now made a list, um, which I've been making as I go along, but the list is now 160 films that I've watched during lockdown uh, of things that I never saw, like Jaws, uh, Grease, Dirty Dancing, The Dirty Dozen, and endless films with, with Marilyn Monroe, Bette Davis, George Sanders. So I feel that I now am in a better position to do impressions, but they're impressions that people were doing 20 years ago. How's you carry Grant? And Gary Grant is still okay. That's absolutely fine. But I was remembering I did a, watched a film with Bette Davison recently, All About Eve, which I'd never seen all the way through, with George Sanders being absolutely wonderful and having the deepest voice, known to man. And um, <laughs> it reminded me that Ronnie and I in our show, The Big Impression, 20 years ago did a sketch 
with Bet Davis. And the idea was that Alan Davis at the time was doing a program on ITV called um, Bob and Rose, Bob and Rose. And he was doing it with Leslie Sharp. The idea was that Alan was a gay man and moved in with Leslie Sharp and suddenly started to fancy Leslie Sharp. They had a relationship. And it was all about, you know, I shouldn't really be because I don't know whether I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this and you're that and it's, it's not going to work, and, but I'm having these feelings for you. Know, it's awkward. We did a parody of that called Alan and Bet, which was Alan Davis and Bet Davis. It just came back to me watching this film. Having a relationship, we never referred to the fact that one was alive and one was dead, but the idea was that Bette Davis was in black and white and Alan was in color. Yeah. He kept saying, I shouldn't really be having these feelings for you because you're in black and white and I'm in color. <laughs> it was such a lovely idea and I remembered it. But the thing that really struck home was that to do it technically, Ronnie had to be made up to look like Bette Davis and then painted blue all over so that the color subtraction, whatever they did, meant that she was in black and white. So I just remember everybody saying, we're now going to paint Ronnie blue. <laughs> and Ronnie being horrified, going, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> she was brilliant, actually, at, uh, at those old film stars. I remember because I was in the uh, Hackney Empire, new act, of the no. year, wow. new act of the Year final, which was 1993. Ronnie won. She did a lot of those uh, old film stars. And it shouldn't yeah. have worked, really. And, you know, you think this is a kind of a hip cool young mm. audience but it did she was brilliant at it um yeah so. although we say old film stars that was 30 years ago so marilyn then was only whatever 40 years dead and still an icon whereas now you know she's 70 years gone this is an all blokes edition of making an impression of the sketches we do have you and ronnie coming on at some point later in the series so we'll look forward to that let's do a sketch yeah i mean we all have yeah. a sketch. come on let's um, do it this is called Football Manage Football Managers Talking About Arse Injuries. That's the title of the sketch. It's written by Sean Percival, who uh, Alistair and I both remember from the comedy circuit, and he's written quite a few sketches for the series so far. In this sketch, we have Sean Dyche, which, to save you your, your throats, I'll do Sean Dyche. Um, <laughs> and uh, we need Mourinho, I think. Alistair, you're, you're a Mourinho specialist. I, I think Alistair's a specialist in all these, aren't you? Well, you're, 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 I, I don't have any of these. Alistair's, <laughs> I think this is just an Alistair sketch. I think you should do them all. <laughs> well, I struggle with Klopp. I struggle with Klopp. We've got uh, Roy Hodgson, but uh, actually I like your Roy Hodgson, Alistair, if you're very, yeah, very, very I'll happy do to Roy. do Roy. Do Roy yeah. So I think those are all the parts. So let's go for it. It's. Uh, Can I just ask where Klopp is from? That's probably quite an important... I've heard him speak definitely. What is he? He's German. German? German, okay. German. You know, ah, he talks like that a bit, you know, sort of... Like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Ah, <laughs> all this kind of shit. So, I mean, That's isn't, very it, yeah. good. That, that was very good. Uh, maybe... <laughs> don't you, I, d I don't want to undermine the premise here, no. but uh, <laughs> maybe I could do Dyke. Uh, Dyke? Not not Dyke. Don't say that. Dyche. Dyche, very How's important. your Dyche? Let's see your Dyche. Uh, I've, I've just heard the great Darren Farley do Dyche. Have you have you come across him? Yeah, he's good. He's very very. And he's like, all right, Joe, like like, like a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Back here, in the back of your throat, like that. Yeah, that's what I try and do. Okay, it. a bit more. Um, yeah, okay. You know, it's you want to really kill your throat to do this. So it's it's. In, I'm I'm very happy. I'm I've done Dyche in the show before, and I, and you know I couldn't speak for four days after. But <laughs> if you want to take okay. Dyche, Okay, I'll do Klopp. I'll do Klopp. I don't care. I yeah, you do. Uh, That's Klopp very sounds good. brilliant. I'll okay. just do right. a very huskily voiced smoking <laughs> right, man. So after that, a bit of horse trading. We're now ready for uh, football managers talking about arse injuries. 
Okay, here we go. This is uh, this is <laughs> this is going to start on a low. <laughs> here we go. All right, Jurgen, Jose, Roy, how, how are we looking injury wise? Ah, it's a nightmare at Anfield. Uh, last night, Nabi Kata, he uh, slipped in the shower and fractured his coccyx. Uh, Bobby Firmino, he fell into the fire and burned his buttocks. And Sadio, uh, he broke wind and did a glute. Respect to the strength of Sadio's wind. They have no injury worries this week. Respect to my medical staff. What about you, Roy? Well, oh, really, really bad, Sean, yesterday. Big Christian Benteke mistook a vase of dirty water. His wife had just took some flowers out of for a glass of chilled Perrier, and now he's got a daffodil growing out of his ass. Growing out of his ass, Blooming heck. <laughs> Get it? Blooming as in, as in flowers. It's not funny, Sean. Apparently the uh, nutrients in the poo up Big Christian's arse are acting like some kind of super compost, if you like, and the daffodil is growing like a like a bloody sunflower. No one has uh, seen anything like it before. That's unbelievable, Roy. Respect to Big Christian and respect to the daffodil growing out of his arse. Well, it looks like Barnes is out for us. Is it his, uh, his hamstring again, Sean? No, it was shagging this girl, the duvet split, and a bedspring popped out, and you'll never guess where it went. Well, don't tell me, up his arse. Correct. Mm. So, uh, Bobby, Nabi, Sade all have uh, injuries in the arse area. Uh, Christian Penteki has a flower growing out of his arse, and Ashley Barnes, uh, he has a bedspring stuck up his arse. Uh, is there a pattern emerging? Uh, come to think of it, Sonny missed training the other day. Apparently, he had uh, IBS. IBS, IBS. What's that? What's that? There's an irritable bowel syndrome. Another arse area problem. And, uh, oh, no, you mentioned it. The medical team did say something about Wolf's arse grapes playing up. So, what, uh, what, what, this is, uh, what is this arse grapes? Why? The hemorrhoids, Jurgen, hemorrhoids. Uh, apparently, it looked like he had a bag of marbles protruding out of his arse. <laughs> Guys, there's no denying it. The Premier League is suffering a spate of arse injuries. It's as if all our players have had a curse placed on their asses. Hang on, I've just received the text. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane has picked up an injury. Well, if this is in the arse area, there's definitely something strange going on. Another text? It's an ACL. Harry is going to be out for three years. Yeah, but at least it isn't an arse injury. Thank God for that. These arse injuries were beginning to freak me out. Yeah, but, but three years for an ACL, Jose. Uh, that's what Virgil had, and they, they say it takes about nine months to recover. Uh, the ACL does stand for anterior cruciate ligament, doesn't it? Yeah, another text. Wait, Harry was changing a light bulb, and he slipped and fell into a glass coffee table. Oh, my God. No, please, no. What is it, Jose? ACL stands for us catastrophically lacerated. Oh, oh no. Jesus ah, Christ, no. I think I might have the number for a witch doctor. Woo, we've done it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my clop slipped a bit halfway through. I did like, I did like. No, it was very good. I liked the um, dice. That was uh, for the first time. <laughs> that was really bloody great. Um, well, well done, of course, uh, the faultless Mourinho's and Hodgson's. I'm always a bit bothered about sketches, <laughs> but feature uh you know bits of odd bits of anatomy or and i don't like scatological stuff really um how do you feel about that kind of i mean i, I thought the sketch was funny but is, is it up your street alistair no it's not for the same reasons i'm not really somebody who likes scatological, scatological humor at, at all but interestingly from a writing point of view again i said this last time it's long 
if it was half the length, it would be it would be funny. But th- there are some funny ideas in it, and a lot of people would love this sort of humor. So it's one of those dilemmas you have if you're an impressionist on a show. You know, you've got to do what comes up. You can't really impose your taste on it unless it's your show. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing, certainly mm-hmm. now having had my show and having had a reputation at one time at least, you know, people would be surprised if I did a sketch like this. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it, it's not an Alistair McGowan style sketch. No, sure. but when you're within a sketch show group, you, you kind of got to do what's there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing with this sketch, which I think would help it, things that come to mind are, A, where are they? Mm. Why are they talking to each other? you know, set it up. Are they on a Zoom call? Does it matter? I mean, it's still funny, but you think, well, they're not going to be meeting up nowadays because managers don't meet, yeah. not in groups of four. Um, so you need to sort of suggest that they're having a Zoom call or to say, are you worried that something's going on? Mm. And the other thing I think which would always help it is just, you know, impressions get clobbered for this. I remember getting clobbered on lots of programs early on, um, you know, those sort of game show programs, where if you don't say who you're, if you say who you're doing, People will say, oh, it's a good job you told us, otherwise we wouldn't know. Yeah. Other people will say, oh, look, you had to tell us, you had to tell us. And if you don't give a really big clue, sometimes it isn't clear who you're doing. Yeah. So the more name checks you can get or a writer can give you, you know, like Klopp's first line, if it had been, it's, it's a nightmare at Anfield, Sean, just now, then we know it's Sean. Yeah. Otherwise, unless the voice is dead on, unless we really know where we are. So all those little name checks as long as they're subtle and it's not, it's nightmare at Anfield, Sean Dyche, manager of Burnley Football Club. Very interesting that, because when I was uh, in my early days, I used to always go and, you know, effectively, you know, or hopefully with some subtlety. Uh, and then Ronnie Corbett goes, ah, Roddy, Roddy, Roddy. Right. So, I, so I'd let everybody know because I thought I haven't got time for them to work out who I'm doing. No. So you want, you just want to hit it and they're ready for it and they're, they're primed for it. Josh, this is interesting because you do an awful lot of stuff on uh, the internet. You've got a fantastic so- social media presence. I know you don't always just do uh, impressions. You do lots of characters as well. There's a fabulous one that you've done with Katya Kavinga, who's coming on the show uh, shortly. Yeah, Katya's great. And, yeah. I, and you have all the names of the people you're impersonating at the bottom. Do you, it, was that a deliberate decision, or did you feel that the, you, you, you know, it was something? Was it an afterthought? What What was your thinking behind captioning it? I, th- I think it was something that she'd done in the edit afterwards. Mm. I, I just, it's just helpful, isn't it? I think because you you set you get the audience's mind thinking. Okay, I'm expecting this person, right? Because mm. as you say, Alistair, it isn't always necessarily clear i do sometimes think as well something i do on stage i often like coming out as james acaster it's quite funny to have the person in question just saying their own name like mm. coming out and saying ah oh, uh, james acaster good to see you all you know that <laughs> is yeah. is inherently quite mm. I, I, tell, I think there's something quite funny about that but, but you're right it can be done in a really ham way can't it and a really sort of unsubtle way but but you can't overcome that obstacle you don't want people missing good writing because they're thinking who is this who is this who is this and Mm. the sketch has established itself and they've you've lost them because they're thinking who are these voices Mm. yeah it's got to be done it's got to be done subtly I think it was it was Terry Alderson, and we, we, I don't know, if Josh, you, if you know Terry, but I think Alistair definitely will, will remember Terry, who's mm. had made a great mm. career in all kinds of areas, but as an actor, as an impressionist, as a physical comedian, did very well at Edinburgh. And he he saw me once at the Comedy Cafe in my very early days, and he said, oh, I like your impressions, great, I like your impressions. He said, but you shouldn't be telling people who you're doing. 
so for a little while I thought, okay, I'll give that a shot. I'll just go into these voices instead of doing the, wouldn't it be funny if Gary Lineker was with, you know, mm. so I, I took all of that, I stripped that back and just did the voices. And what I found was that I think the set still worked, but I felt disadvantaged by it that, I, I, mm. the, I was, con they, they were constantly playing catch up. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, what, what's the joke? Oh, I've missed the joke because I've already said the joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as Alistair was saying, you know, so it, there is that just tipping them the wink a little bit and you know, so they, they're ready, they're primed and away you go. And of course, when yeah. you were doing your show, Alistair, you know, you, you have fantastic makeup as well. And it was clear as soon as you came on in, in each of your sketches, who mm. you're supposed to be, who you're doing, and it and instantly informs the voice as well. Yeah, and we used to refer to it as signifiers. You'd say, has this person got a good signifier? If they haven't got a facial signifier, you know, whether it was an unusual hairstyle or a pair of glasses or something that they were, then you think, is it something that they wear? Is that yeah. the signifier? Or is it the set? Is yeah. there one thing in the set, you know, which just says, that's where we are, that's who this person is. And yeah. that's what you needed. And then you could avoid saying, welcome to the one show I'm Alex James and, you know, and I'm Matt Baker. You could avoid all that. You could yeah. just put on the one mm -hmm. shot. It's great. Absolutely. You did that. You've got the set. Everything tells you where you are. But it's when you take the people out of their natural habitat, out of their natural mm -hmm. milieu, how do you then still say, this is Matt Baker or whoever it might be? Yeah. Yeah. That's the hard thing, isn't it, about doing it on stage because you, you don't have those yeah. wonderful signifiers. To, and it, it's super, super difficult. And I guess one way to do it is... <laughs> maybe do the Stuart Lee thing of berating your audience for not knowing who it is you're doing, <laughs> which is funny, but equally, I don't know. I think some people don't know. It's, it's not original, is it? It's not an original take and it's it, people probably won't like you for it. <laughs> Can, uh, obviously, uh, I'm doing, uh, uh, you know, well, I was, I was obviously right. you can all tell. <laughs> when you were doing your James Acaster on Pointless, which was the first time I saw you do that, I was reminded of the first time I did, well, when I did the Royal Variety Show in 1996. Mm. And uh, Hale and Pace, who you probably don't even remember, but they were on the show. And when we did the rehearsals, they came up to me afterwards and said, uh, I can't believe you're doing Glenn Hoddle on the Royal Variety Show. Yeah. But I did. I did, I did, I did <laughs> he was manager of Chelsea then. You know, He hadn't even been manager of England at that time. Um, but you just think, if you don't try people, you don't know who people know. And when you right. did James Acaster, I thought, you know, probably 50% of the audience are pointless. I'm not going to know who he is. Mm. But then if I did Glenn Hoddle, you know, 50% of the audience of pointless wouldn't know who it was. Um, mm. you, you're always thinking how many people know. And to do somebody as brave as that, I thought, oh, brilliant. Well done. You know, you didn't do Sean oh, Connery or you didn't do <laughs> whoever else now. I suppose McIntyre has become the one that sort of a lot of people would go to. Or, yeah. And why not? He's still very popular and well known. Yeah. To do somebody like that, I, I've always admired that. And I thought, well done for doing James Acaster. And it was so good. I couldn't Thanks. have done a James Acaster impression, but as soon as you did it, which is what used to inspire me years ago, like I did Ian Rush in about in my early gigs, you know, and you know, mm. you know, he was playing for Liverpool in the old days on air. You know, <laughs> a lot of people didn't know who he was. Like, you know, if you mentioned his name, but I had girls coming up the office and saying, I didn't know who that was, but it just made me laugh. And <laughs> I didn't know his name, but I recognized his voice from watching the football with my, you know, with my partner, you know. And then it's the same with James. You go, oh, yeah, that guy, because the voice is dead on. I suppose a certain courage involved in trying out a voice that no one's ever done before, that, or to the best of your knowledge, no one's ever done before. I, I remember yeah. way, way back I did Chris Eubank. And I know I was the first to do him because 
absolutely nobody was doing them at the time. So we are going back a long way. I know all this, I did all this business, you know, all that. Yes. And then people started to, you know, pick up on it and everyone was doing it. But at the time when I first did it, it was one of those impressions that absolutely, it was the right voice at the right moment. He was, his profile was big. Everyone knew who he was and it was instant. But sometimes you do a voice, you think, I'm going to, I really want to do, (laughs) I don't know. Now I'd be thinking, I'm desperate to do Jeff Goldblum on stage. And then I'd go out there and and no one, they just wouldn't be ready for me to do Jeff Goldblum. And Mm. I think now as well, uh, you you know, um, you not only have to give people's names, but you sometimes have to give some of their credits as well so yeah. that people will place who they are because of the multi-platform thing. I mean, just without, well, I was going to say without showing off, I am going to show off. One of the voices I love to do is, um, is, is Dr. Michael Mosley, who I'm sure you've all seen. <laughs> the BBC's That's go-to great. scientific expert and doctor in chief for many years. But I have to say, Dr. Michael Mosley, who you've probably seen on Trust Me, I'm a Doctor and countless other programs, so the audience will then go along with that voice. Otherwise, yeah. they might no, and again, you're in that position of them not knowing, not understanding, and not appreciating. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. Just got that, that lovely, subtle lisp he's got. That's so, so nicely pitched. Well, the other thing, again, is if I just did that voice when yeah. I was learning it, and I can't do him now, but it's very similar to um, Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. It's a yeah. very, very similar voice. <laughs> and I thought, well, which one am I going to go for? So I went for Mosley because he was more interesting in terms of what jokes he could put across. But if I'd just done that voice and not said who it was, I'm sure a lot of people would have gone, is that Hugh Fernley Whittingstall? Yeah, they are yeah. Similar voices. We, we've mm-hmm. talked about this on, on the shows before. Josh, you, you probably use similar techniques where you, you find one voice by using another voice. Are there, are there any that, that spring mm. to mind? Yeah, well, yeah, we were talking about Stuart Lee earlier, that, and it's interesting, Alison, you bring out that voice because obviously, yeah, I wouldn't, na- I wouldn't know that person if you name checked them, but you doing the voice, obviously, you know exactly who it is. You do and it, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I feel the same with the. Um, have you guys use Headspace? Have you seen those adverts come up on YouTube? The, it's the the, the, the guy. The, <laughs> it's like a meditation app, and the guy comes on, and he's like. I want you to imagine that you're just gently rolling down a hill and there's loads of trees around you. Everything's very quiet, very relaxed. And it's that voice to me is really similar to someone like Stuart Lees who has, you know, Stu's got that sort of like, you know, similar sort of thing, you know, like that sort of like quite <laughs> rummy, but also like, yeah, uh, I know. Um, and I, I always found those two were quite, <laughs> quite crazy. Yeah. I'm sure we'll return to that many more times during the series, but I think we need to push on with the next sketch. Now, this is um, called Love Island. It's written by one of our stalwart writers, uh, Rob Smith. And this has got a voiceover, which is Ian Sterling, isn't it? Is that, is that right? Which is, yeah, I yeah. believe, yeah, that's lovely. right up uh, Josh's street. We've got Andy Murray now. Now I know. Listen, this is a tennis sketch, and we've got Andy Murray, ten, Tim Hemman, uh, Boris Becker, Roger Federer, and John McEnroe. Now I know both of you do all of those voices, but just to just <laughs> break it up a little bit, um, yeah. Can we just because Josh, you got the voiceover as, as Ian Sterling, so that's that's of course. that's nailed on. Because Andy Murray doesn't play a big role in this, and it's the only one I can do, uh, I'm, go- mm. I'm going to steal Andy Murray from both of you. So I'm, I'm doing it. Um, Tim Henman. Alistair, you've got a good Tim Henman, haven't you? Tim, that's yeah, Alistair. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Then we have uh, Boris. Oh, that's that's Josh, that must be – I think you do a Boris, don't you? 
I can, yeah, okay, yeah, we could do Boris. If, uh, and you do, yeah. and, and, and Federer, you do Fed. I've I've got I've got a Fed in the in the old locker. Got a Fed. Uh, no one else locker. wants him. But uh, hang on, we've got a problem here because you're also doing McEnroe. So, uh, Al- Alistair, you do you do Fed? I can do Federer or McEnroe, whichever you prefer. Yeah. Did we did McEnroe on on the show with Josh before, and it was it blew my okay. mind. So, oh. can we? Can we <laughs> crikey! Wow. <laughs> Sorry, we, we turned into Hugh Grant for some reason there. Gosh, crikey! Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> if we stick Obvious. with um, Josh doing a Mac, and if you don't mind do taking that. Fed, yeah, uh, Alistair, then are we all do we all know who we're doing? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've just I've forgotten everything, but I, I I'm just <laughs> that's all I can remember. So. Uh, right, I'm ready. Okay, so this is called Love Island, and uh, let's go. Here we go. We've put a load of professional tennis players together, and the results are explosive. There's arguments, there's chemistry, there's drama. It's time for new balls, please, as we say welcome to 40 Love Island. It's day two, and the 40 Love Island... Sorry. <laughs> That was was seamless. Incredible. (laughs) I totally fucked that bit up, mate. Sorry, here we go. It's day day two in 40 Love Island. But already there's major drama in the boys' villa. Uh, You keep your hands off her. Yeah, she was mine first. Well, no, she's with me. She might be with you, but she'll always want to come on, Tim. What are Andy and Tim arguing about? Uh, whether it should be called Edmund Hill or Murray Mount. It's the afternoon. Over by the pool, John McEnroe and Tim Hammond are discussing the fancy dress party later that evening. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to the uh, party tonight. I think I might go as Voldemort from Harry Potter. Yeah, I was thinking Harry Potter. I could go as the uh, the Gary Oldman character. You cannot be serious. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I wonder what Roger will go as. Yeah, maybe he'll surprise us and go as someone whose hair moves when they play professional tennis. It's the evening in the 40 Love Island Villa, and it's voting time. One will go, the rest will stay. But who is out of line, and who has netted another week? It's time for the boys to decide. Oh, it's so difficult. I love each and every one of you. This is an amazing experience, and, you know, I don't think I could bear to lose any of you guys. You have all become my best friends. I just don't know how to think of anyone not being here. Yeah, you know, I just love being here with you guys as well. And uh, it's so special. The group has such, uh, you know, an amazing, uh, yeah, togetherness. Yeah, Tim can go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's great, but probably the one who uh, contributes the least. I'm afraid it has to be Tim. I think Tim is the... Tim, you've been voted out. And for you, the 40 Love Island experience is over. But tune in next week to find out if our remaining tennis boys really have game. And if I can think of any more weak tennis puns, mate. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed it. Probably a bit long, Alistair, would you say? I, I, could, I could see the Alistair, this is too long thing happening. No, I tell you what, I actually think this sketch is, uh, is such a great idea. Yeah. Uh, if I was a commissioner and we had a series, I would say do six of these do 12 of these yeah you know because it's such a good idea and yes you could just take about six lines off this one but then do 12 i mean the joke you cannot be serious is is just that's just great i love that joke and um you know you think did he work backwards from that i don't know
there's a great energy in the um, your uh, in Sterling voice, which I think for me helps to carry it because actually. When you look at Andy Murray, he's very boring, and Tim Hemman's boring, yeah. and Federer's pretty dull. So you, you, it kind of quite nice to lace that with the energy and the attack of the voiceover. Yeah, yeah. Musically, I suppose you, I, that doesn't sound too pretentious. Musically, it's got quite a nice balance. I think you're, uh, yeah, I totally agree, Alistair. The premise is a great one. I, I wrote a sketch uh, similar to this a while ago, where it was mm. like Politician Island, and obviously you've got the advantage of you know, a lot of politicians are perceived to be sex addicts who don't keep their promises, or at least Boris Johnson is anyway. So it was quite a natural fit. And, you know, like a bit with Ed Miliband, you know, oh, the Ed Miliband's getting involved in the deep throat, the banana challenge. And he's just like, uh, 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 oh, my adenoids are just getting in the way. Yeah, I, I think the premise is really great. And that you're right, there's a lot to create. Well, you think you've got Djokovic as being the one that they all dislike. Um, yeah, even- right. Nadal as being the sort of the really handsome one that they all wish you know they were perhaps every one of them has got a good character and Becker of course in this sketch you don't even get into the idea of Becker and his love life which is a legal point of view and Kyrgios as well would be great yeah and the fact that they all they all do have a relationship interestingly um, Djokovic you probably know this Josh from knowing them but uh, he used to I don't know if he still does but he organised the comedy event at the end of each tennis playing calendar did you know that he was? Oh, I did. Yes, yes. And the sketch writer, and he's a brilliant performer. And um, he, I know mm-hmm. they're on YouTube. His impressions of even people like Sharapova. Mm. So he was sort of you know everybody's favorite player on the circuit until he started winning everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it changed, and suddenly everyone really doesn't like him anymore. And from yeah. what I can gather, you know, he's he's the outsider and the maverick. You do a, a Jocko, don't you? A, a knowledge. Uh, well, if if you want me to put my my vocal ability in the right position, I think that uh, there is, uh, of course, spiritually, I'm able to do that, and <laughs> I feel in a good place with my with my spirit. That's the thing that cracks me up about him. He's very kind of um, spiritual now. Yeah. Which I, I think, yeah, he's 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 a fascinating character because he's not very well liked. And yet he has this enormous desire to be liked, which I imagine all of us can relate to as performers, right? It's that yeah. sort of desperation for acceptance on a level. I always find people like that who are maligned in the public very interesting because, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of complexity as a character. It's, um, it's hard to know, actually, what, what is that thing? Everyone loves Fedra. What is that thing? He wins everything. Everyone loves Nadal. What, what's he got? And you look at Djokovic... On the whole, I mean, I, I sometimes tactically, I you know, he, he'll go and take a, an injury break when he's in trouble, or pretend he's got a back injury when he, you know he's losing. And, and yeah, that's that's a kind of a bit of gamesmanship that I I detest personally. You'll never see, you would never see Nadal do that. You'd never see Federer do that. But what is it? Because actually, he does seem intelligent. He does seem as though. As you, you know, as, as Alistair was saying, he was doing all those impressions which went viral on YouTube and they were brilliant. And he was a, it's not just that he's winning, is it? Well, McEnroe, in his book, he says at some point, um, you know, I, I hated when Borg retired because for me, Borg was, he was who I was working against. He was the good angel. I was the bad angel. And suddenly without Borg there, he had nobody to fight against. Yeah. He had no yeah. image to, to counter. 
And I think when the big four and Murray was part of the big four were the big four, you know, the, the, the common uh, description of them was that uh, Federer was a smooth, silky one. And Nadal was the kind of dark fish, dark and, and brooding, sexy one. Murray was the grumpy one. And Djokovic was the other one. Yes. Or the boring one. And I think that's the thing that he can't shake off, even though yeah. Murray has gone from that, that, uh, that group, mm. he hasn't gone into a different role. He's still the other one. Yeah. And always mm, yeah. will be the other one. Um, mm. Who knows? It's a great point, actually. I think I think you're right. There's this kind of he he somehow didn't fit. He you know his his image didn't didn't give you enough to to hang anything on. And then when it, no. when he was the the guy that remained, that was the the the, the lingering kind of sense of him. Back Just, on the impressions front for a second, though. Yeah, it's very easy, I think, to sometimes forget why you fall in love with doing impressions. Maybe you're too young to have done that yet, Josh, but I know I did. <laughs> and uh, I get hung up with my act because of the style of my act and, the, and my audiences, really, with getting to a gag. So I love to just mm. get to the punchline, and I like writing gags and letting the voices take me there. But when I watched you, and this is eight years ago, I remember suddenly being reminded of how wonderful it is when you make an observation and you just repeat, not not, not in a Stuart Lee way, but you just repeat that <laughs> observation. And you were doing things with Nadal. I thought, there's no joke here. But it was brilliant because you'd observed every single little, and let's face it, there are a lot of them with Nadal, every little tick, <laughs> not just all the shirt and the thing and the that, but I think you were doing that. But the things he does in interviews, and you think sometimes with an impression, if you know you've got a good gag at the end of it, which I think you always need to have a laugh at the end of it. Mm -hmm. You can take a long route there. You can really enjoy yeah. And you do that so well and did it then with Djokovic, which is what reminded me, just even improvising there. It's, it's so much more than just the words. And that's the difficulty with sketches written by other people mm -hmm. is that they can't put those bits in. And we had this last time, Simon, when I was doing yeah. the show with Kathy. How much can you add? And for me to do Henman there, I have to add in the little, yeah, you know, because yeah. that's how I always hear Tim. Is <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's so good, though. That, but he always, every sentence. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, yeah, no, well, it's yeah. Well, yeah, very much so. He always loves that one as well. Yeah, very so. much so. <laughs> It's a fantastically fertile area that you wouldn't think so somehow with tennis, but it is. McEnroe. And that is such a great impression. I don't know where you're coming from vocally with that because it sounds as though you've almost buried the voice somewhere yeah, in the I back of your throat. Before. And it's it's a great impression, Josh. What what are you? I mean, he, I suppose he's. You probably don't remember him much as a player, so you're. I guess you're focusing on the McEnroe McEnroe punditry as opposed to McEnroe the player, the brat. Yeah, I tell you, it's it's an interesting one that because I think he's. As, as you know, we all know people's voices age, don't they? And it's an interesting, that's always an interesting component because I always feel like I watch him back in the 90s, like, because I'm a huge tennis fan, so I watch all the old clips on YouTube. And, you know, like he's talking like up here, like back in the 90s, you know, and it's a lot, it's sort of like way up, whereas, you know, gradually over time, it's sort of come a little bit lower. And now he sort of sits around here. And it's sort of like, I feel as though it comes from like here in my throat, yeah. like right at the this bottom. You're pointing sort of way down, almost at the bottom of your neck. At the, at the larynx, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. But just to, to go back to what Alistair was saying, I think saying about impressions, I always just feel like the, the joy of an impression to, to, to build on what you were saying is like, well, you've observed someone or a, or a fan of someone and then someone comes along and kind of articulates all of those observations that you hadn't exactly. quite 
understood on a conscious level. But but and, and I, I kind of feel like that about it's quite similar to satire in many respects, in that often satire seems like an articulation of something that we all thought but maybe hadn't fully articulated. And I just remember thinking that about your Louis Theroux. You know, is is that the sort of thing that you would do a lot? Could we sort of is that is that is that the sort of thing that you would would you feel comfortable with us doing that? And it was I remember here and just thinking, oh my God, that is so nailed. Mm. exactly all of his kind of energy in those phrases i thought it was just brilliant um i was lucky with that because uh, as much as i've said you know writers can't always do what you do yourself as an impressionist we had a writer called dan mayer and dan writes a lot for harry hill's programs and dan wrote that sketch about louis and he opened my eyes to what louis did and exaggerated it and extrapolated on it and dan is one of the few writers i think for impressions who really gets inside yeah. it's, it's interesting also that that's another topic we ought to cover perhaps perhaps not not in, the, in this episode but the, the mm. writing for impressionists is is a is a different skill to just writing sketches i think right well look i'm conscious of time and oh, yeah. we yeah, yeah. We need to hit uh, sketch three, and it's also by Sean. We did um, we did a, a sketch by Sean Percival a little earlier in the show. Now we've got Ryland Clark, we've got Andy Murray, Paddy McGuinness, Jonathan Was, Harry Kane, and John Bishop. Now I know, Alistair, you do all of these. I think the purpose of this sketch, and the only way it works really, is if it's one person doing all five. You take it, Alistair, please. That's, what? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, so therefore, I think Josh should do it. <laughs> oh, <Okay. laughs> oh. just voted himself. No, no. Well, yeah, but the, your Jonathan Ross is, I've seen the your Jonathan yeah. Ross to Jonathan Ross, which is so funny. Uh, Josh, have a cup of tea. I'm just, okay. you know, I've got a glass of water. We'll sit back, relax, and uh, let Alistair do the whole, the whole okay, thing. Okay, I'm just going to pop to the loo. Fire away. I'll just say, yeah, before I do it, I, I have no idea what this Harry Kane paragraph is about whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm just saying what Sean has written here, but I really, yeah. there's certain bits of this I go, I've no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> It'll right, all become clear when you, yeah. you say okay. it out loud. Here we go. Hello, I'm Ryan Clark, and I'm here to tell you about some fantastic new products on the market. Most of you out there have tried Murray Mints. Now, try our new Andy Murray Mints. Just pop one in your mouth, start to chew, and suddenly I feel like dark clouds are descending on me. My voice has become a monotonous drone, and my hip is bloody killing me. It feels like someone's put a metal ball joint in now. Jesus, I'm depressed. I need to drown my sorrows. I need a drink. I'll uh, I'll have a McGuinness. Yeah, one swift pint of McGuinness and the Dower Scott is leaving me. I'm being replaced by an over-the-top upbeat northerner. Oh, look, there are some lasses over there. I'll go and flirt with them. In fact, I can feel me northerners invading me bloodstream and seeping into me DNA. I'm getting cravings for unhealthy food. Mmm, I'd sell me granny for a bag of salted pork rind and I could murder some fish fingers. Oh, Rossi's frozen battered fish fingers. Just pop a Rossi's fish finger into my mouth and before I know it, I'm Rossi, presenting TV shows and making slightly whiskey remarks to which celebrity guests which is okay by them as long as I'm holding up a copy of their crap autobiography as I do it no one can call up an actress's ass quite like me the twig is to be sickly sweet as sweet as sugar cane cane with a K because a couple of spoons full of sugar cane with a K and I realise I'm immensely proud to be captain of both Spurs and England because you know both teams are a great bunch of lads I can now run the hell of a lot faster than I used to but uh, unfortunately I do read much slower often mouthing the words as I do so and you know, I'm really shit at countdown. Also, I, I have an incredible urge to lick glass, especially when I'm staring through the window of the off-license looking at my favourite beer, uh, Bishop's Finger. One sip of Bishop's Finger 
and I become a cheeky Liverpoolian comedian with unbelievably prominent teeth. Oh, right, I know what you're going to ask. The bishop in me surname. Is that a Catholic bishop or the other type? Well, until I start fancying young boys, I'm going to presume I'm Church of England. Bravo, bravo. That that was a tour de force virtuoso performance. And I think you nailed all those voices, and I think you were right. It it needed it needed the one person threading all of that together. Now, Josh, it's your turn to do that sketch. I, I, I just Alison did it so well. I, I I sort of feel as though it would be really. Uh, I just this is how I deal with awkward situations. Just become Hugh and uh, fuck. Uh, I believe it was the late great A. A. Gill who once said. Um, uh, no, uh, no, I will do it if 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 that's all right with you. Um, I've rediscovered. I rediscovered all of it. You were talking about rediscovering uh, films, Alistair, earlier. I've sort of rediscovered mm. all of nineties Hugh Grant. Ah, yeah. I didn't experience it the first time round because I watched him in The Undoing, which he was just so amazing in. Yeah, he was. Um, and I think he's funny. I think he's really hilarious and charming. And I also think it takes such a skill to be someone as sort of handsome as he is, particularly at that time, and yet still manage to get you to feel a little bit sorry for him, right? Because you would think that any young woman would want to, you know, have sex with him. And yet, and yet still he manages to just be, <laughs> oh, uh, gosh, no, shit, sorry, fuck, not that. Uh, I love you. If that's okay, shit. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening to part one of this podcast with Alistair and Josh. Part two will appear later in the series. If you'd like to write for the show, please get in touch via our website, which is at www.voicemaestros.com. If you enjoyed today's show, why not drop a five-star review on Apple? And, of course, you can subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you like to listen. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Voice Maestros. Uh, I'll be tweeting lots of info and news about the show. Uh, And the performers and I would love to chat with you there or via our website, which contains all the sketches and videos and links to the shows and loads of info. Uh, And we've also got a Making an Impression Facebook page. See you next time. Bye.